Good morning, and welcome to episode 186 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus in New York, New York, uh, where construction sounds are the soundtrack to my morning. I am Ben Lindbergh, and in Long Beach, California, where where pretty bird sounds greet your your awakening, Sam Miller. Hello, Sam. Hey. Hi. How are you? Okay. How's your weekend? Uh, it was really good. It was a really good weekend. Hmm. Mm-hmm. For any particular reason, uh, I had I had visitors and I had uh, it was a really good weekend for baseball. Yeah, and I I ate well. So I saw you know what else is um, my dog, my parents' dog, who I'm close to as well because she's 15 years old. Uh, she my dog is, is 15 a, years old. Well, mine's about to die. She's got um, perhaps hours and. Oh. Uh, she almost died about a week ago when when uh, up there, and it was very sad, and we were expecting it, and you know it'll be good when when she goes, uh, but uh, they brought her down this weekend, and she made it. She wasn't supposed to make it, but she's actually doing okay, and we um, she played, she she managed to play catch with a tennis ball with my daughter who's like two, and so that kind of Man. was really nice to to see that getting one, you know, getting dusty in here. Time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a... Like, like uh, every podcast listener just thought, "Wait a minute, Sam's a Sam's a human being, not a monster that we're used to." Yeah, uh, you you don't treat insects well, but but dogs are different. Dogs and children. Dogs and children. <laughs> well, not always children, from what I've heard. <laughs> what is that even? <laughs> we won't get into that on the podcast. Um, I have a dachshund who is 15, and they live a long time, but I'm, I'm dreading the, the inevitable demise. Cause do you hear childhood dog? Yeah. Do you hear? By the way, do you hear my dog gulping water right now? Yes, actually. That's her. That's the dog. She's. Well, uh, let us keep us up to date on your dachshund. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm glad What's... your your dog got to appear on the podcast at least once. Yeah. All right. Uh, I saw Oblivion. This week. How was it? How was it? It was great. <laughs> any any post-apocalyptic, anything that starts with post-apocalyptic, I will probably love, uh-huh. especially if it is science fiction. Uh, so it was pretty great, even though it was just kind of a mix of a lot of other science fiction movie elements put together. Uh, it was pretty good. And I like I like Tom Cruise in action movies. He may be, uh, yeah, I like Tom Cruise in, in all movies. I don't like him may, outside right, of movies. He may be crazy outside of the movie. Maybe he doesn't even know he's in a movie. I'm not sure. Maybe that's why <laughs> Maybe that's why it's so convincing. He thought it was some sort of Scientology stage of initiation or something. But uh, but he is charismatic. <laughs> okay, so baseball. Uh, what did you want to talk about? Matt Harvey. Ah, okay. Um, I wanted to talk about the Blue Jays and waiver claims. Uh, but I just wanted to say, I don't think it's a topic unless you have something to say about it, but, uh, Mike Fires um, is, is in the minor leagues now. The Brewers sent him down and, and called up here on Burgos, who's kind of another Mike Fires in a way. He's like a, a guy with great minor league stats who doesn't have much of a, a projection, not much stuff. Um, but Fires is one of those guys who just has deceptive delivery and he's got good minor league stats and scouts say he won't be anything uh and ultimately he probably won't be anything 
and he had a he had a rough end to last season and he had a rough spring training and then he had a rough couple starts uh yeah one start I guess and a couple relief appearances to start this season and now he's in the minor leagues the Brewers have kind of given up on him already even after his four months or so of being really good last season and probably because they didn't ever expect that out of him anyway um but I just I kind of appreciate those those deception guys who are really good for a few months and then you never see them again uh like a fires or a coal mentor maybe um that kind of guy who who people who look at just stats get all excited about and then the scouts say he's not worth getting excited about but then he comes up and is actually really good for a few months and maybe he's nothing at all after that but you've gotten most of a good season out of him which is more than you can say for most minor leaguers so I kind of wonder whether those guys are still a little bit underappreciated and whether if you could identify those those deception guys uh, and guys whose deceptive deliveries would deceive major league hitters, at least for a, a few times around the league, um, maybe those guys are undervalued. If you can get kind of half a season out of one of them, then that's that's worth something. Yeah, it sort of feels like these minor league all-star types who um, don't project well, it seems like they have... Uh, they, they often have a lot of success when they come up early on. Um, they, um, I don't know, for either because if they're pitchers, it's because of the deception uh, or just because they have pitchability and the league hasn't got a good look at them. Um, for hitters, it's maybe that they have, um, uh, they're kind of uh, like, a lot of times they end up, these guys end up being like 26, 27, 28, and they're just good enough to be good for, for that year, mm-hmm. but but they have no long-term future. And so if you have a guy who's like really tearing it up in the minors but doesn't project well, and then you have a guy who projects really well uh, but uh, you know isn't tearing it up in the minors, I, I wonder where the line crosses, where the, the, the present value mm-hmm. and the future value intersect. Um, and like how long can you ride that, that quad a type, or I guess it's not a quad a type. It's something totally different than a quad a type, but how long can you ride that? And, uh, before, uh, you know, you expect the value to get eclipsed by a, anyway, I guess what I'm saying is I, I also wonder whether there's a, a way that teams can really milk every ounce of value out of these guys mm-hmm. without going too far with them. Maybe, yeah, maybe if you just sort of stream them. Like, yes, like exactly, that's what I'm saying. Kind of bring them up when you need a start, but you don't give anyone a long extended look at them. You just bring them exactly. up and start now and then. Their yes. deception thing works, and you can kind of milk it for a couple seasons or something. Exactly. All right, uh, let's talk about Harvey then, who is not that kind of pitcher. So Harvey is interesting because um, w- we've sort of talked about the quad A types, bringing that back, uh, and whether there's a way to identify the quad A types before you get burned by them, basically guys who destroy the minors but can't can't make that adjustment to major league pitching. And Harvey is interesting because um, Harvey right now is uh, like the best pitcher in baseball, sort of. He uh, pitched against the Nationals, a very good offense, and against Strasburg, and was incredible. I mean, he looked in that start, which was obviously only one start. Strasburg can look every bit as good, but in that one start, he looked better than Strasburg. He was throwing 99 right past people. Um, he's got you know two good breaking balls, and he seems to have really good control, and or at least 
good control and good command. And so since he got called up last year, he's got uh, the best ERA plus in baseball. He's got uh, a swinging strike rate that is triple the league average on fastballs. Normally the the average pitcher gets a swing and miss on a fastball every, or I guess a whiff on a fastball every seven and a half swings. Uh, Harvey's getting one every two and a half swings. Um, he's got a strikeout rate better than anybody except Darvish, Scherzer, and Strasburg. And he just looks like an absolute superstar. And, mm-hmm. and he, he, I don't know, I mean, I'm, he probably is, I guess. I, I think that it's fair to say that he right now has what it takes to be a superstar, and he might be doing it right now, and this just might be it. He might win a Cy Young Award this year, for all we know. And, and I, consider it, I consider what we've seen to be real. Um, but Harvey's minor league stats were, like, not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, like, this is just three months of play ago. This is not... I'm not looking at like his 2009 minor league stats and being like, wow, he made quite a leap forward. He played one year in the minors, basically, um, and one and a half years. And, and they were good. He struck out a lot of guys, but the, he didn't like this was not Linscombe going through the minors or um, or Mark Pryor going through the minors. He, he just he was pretty good. Um, he in the preseason scouting reports, uh, Goldstein had a number 25 overall. Which again, number twenty-five overall is like that's good, but you know, it's not—it's not like he—he he was the most hyped prospect ever. And Goldstein had him sitting uh, in the you know like ninety-three to ninety-five, I think, and touching ninety-seven. Now he touches a hundred and he sits ninety-seven. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if there's a way of like we were talking about the quad A types. I wonder if there's any way of identifying the opposite guy who is. Like has a skill set that is particularly good for major league hitters mm-hmm. that that isn't that isn't particularly better for minor league hitters. Like Harvey was good against minor league hitters, but you do, you don't discount his stats to get his major league rates. He basically seems to be just as effective no matter who he's facing. A ball, double A, triple A, the majors. It's all basically the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I guess the the walk rate was going up as he went through the minors, and the walk rate has gone back down in the majors. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just don't know that I saw this coming with Harvey. It's supposed to be harder than this mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't look hard at all for him. Yeah. This, this kind of came up on the most recent episode of the fringe average podcast with, with Jason Parks and Mike Farron. And I was just like halfway through their discussion of it that I was listening to before we started recording. Uh, cause someone sent them an email to ask about guys like this who, seem to improve after making the majors or I mean it's not it's not just that the same stuff is working better against big leaguers right it's like he's I mean he has better stuff now it seems like he's throwing harder and he's throwing harder and with better command yeah so and so so where does that come from is that just a mechanical tweak that that only the major league staff could make or is it throwing to big league catchers is he a is he an adrenaline guy and he needed the 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 40,000 people around him. Yeah, so they said, I mean, they said maybe the Mets had him kind of working on some things, like focusing on his command or something in, over velocity, um, and and that, yeah, maybe he was a little bored in, in AAA, or he, he's just one of these guys who just pitches better in a brighter spotlight. Um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't think there are a lot of these guys, I guess, uh, do you think there are more of more of the Harvey type who's 
who, who get better after being promoted or the, the deception type whose stuff sort of works for a little while and then doesn't? I would think they're more of, of the latter type. Yeah, I don't think they're. I don't think they're more the Harvey type. Although there's always this. I mean, like Shelby Miller is kind of doing it right now too, mm-hmm. to some degree. And it's uh, that it always raises the question of whether young pitchers should just basically be in the majors if you have the stuff of Harvey and Miller. Whether mm-hmm. you should just put them in the majors immediately because the stuff is gonna is gonna be gone. I mean, you do see pitchers. I think you do see pit, young pitchers dominate this way in a way that you almost never see young hitters dominate immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, there's, a, there's a little bit of an identification problem here. Is, is Harvey just benefiting from his first time around the league? Yeah, uh, I, was, I was planning to email TrackMan today. Sometimes they share some data with us, and I was going to ask about his, his extension and release point information because he seems like one of those guys who maybe just has a really deep release point and his fastball just makes people swing really, really late relative to other fastballs of the same velocity. Um, so I, I don't know uh, if yeah, you'll share that with me. Probably not because I think the Mets use Trackman, but I will ask, but, uh, it didn't, it didn't look, he, it doesn't look to me like, it, like he's got, uh, like a, a particularly long stride or anything like that. I mean, he, it, it actually looks like a very easy 99. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, I mean, you, you, in your piece today wrote about how he got, uh, he's getting so many swings on those fastballs up in the zone. And I wonder whether people will keep swinging at those when the scouting report is that, Hey, don't, <laughs> don't swing at those because no one can hit them. Um, yeah, Bri- I guess Bryce it's hard Harper to lay off, but, um, but yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I do too. I mean, he, if he throws him for uh, he he throws it mostly for strikes, mm-hmm. uh, but and, and it's not like he's getting pop ups on him because just nobody touches him. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with with high fastballs is always the the trade off is you get more swings and misses, but you also give up home runs now and then. And I guess he has not really given up home runs yet because uh, no one has hit the ball. But um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether that lasts all season or whether people eventually lay off those and make him come into the zone a bit more and he's he will be a little more human at that point. He's good. Yes, he is. Okay. Uh, so the Blue Jays, um, they've had a pattern for a while now of making waiver claims. Uh, they make probably more waiver claims than any, any team. I, I wrote an article about this in November, uh, just talking about sort of the moves that Anthopolis made before the the big blockbuster trade. And at that time, they had made uh, the second most waiver claims over the past year. Uh, the Yankees had made more, but they, they've kind of used the waiver system to get minor league depth. It's not like they're unearthing great fines here so much. The When I wrote that article in November, they had just claimed... Corey Wade and Tyson Brummett and David Herndon and Scott Main, just a bunch of just kind of, I don't know, organizational guys or back of the bullpen guys, just arms. Uh, and so they've, they've continued to do that this season. Um, they have, they have claimed a whole bunch of guys over the last month or so. And uh, Charlie Wilmoth at MLB trade rumors wrote an article about how, 
he thinks basically the the Jays are sort of abusing the system, or they're not doing anything against the rules. But he thinks that that the way they're using the system is not really the way that it was intended to be used, and that maybe there should be a change in the rules to prevent teams from using it like this. Um, mostly because guys just kind of get stuck in waiver limbo, where where they're they get released by one team or they get placed on waivers and then they sit on waivers for a while and then another team claims them and then the Blue Jays they keep claiming guys and then immediately trying to send them to the minors just to be depth they're not really they're not intended to be parts of the roster or replacements for an injured guy really they're just kind of people they're hoping they can claim and then pass through waivers and just have them um so they did this for like Casper Wells and uh, Jeremy Jeffress and just a whole bunch of guys. And so basically they're, these players just kind of go through long periods where they're just sort of on waivers and then being claimed and then trying to be passed through waivers again and then someone else claims them and they don't end up playing for weeks at a time. Um, and and it's not against the rules or anything, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of, it's. I guess it's not really what the system was intended for. I mean, the system is kind of intended to give players who don't have a shot with one team a shot with another team, and the Blue Jays aren't really giving them a shot so much as they are just kind of burying them in another organization uh, for a rainy day. And so uh, this writer, Charlie Wilmoth, kind of he proposed that, that there be a, a greater... Uh, a penalty or, or at least that once you claim a guy, you have to keep him on your 40 man for like 30 days uh, so mm-hmm. that there would be an actual cost to the waiver claim. You would actually have to carry these people on your roster for a while rather than just discarding them or just burying them in your own system. So uh, I don't know what I think. I, I, I mean, I, I can understand why Anthony plus is doing this and I guess it makes sense. Not that he is getting any great fines out of this so far, but but it's, I guess it's helping the team to some extent. Um, and I can't decide whether I think that, that it needs a rule change or whether this is just kind of how it should work. I don't, do you have any, any thoughts on, on whether this is an abuse of the system or just, just making the most of the system? So let can we talk about Wells for a second, yeah. Casper Wells? So the Mariners designate him for assignment. The Blue Jays, the Blue Jays put in a waiver claim. Everybody applauds them mm-hmm. for that, and they get they get him. They get Casper Wells, mm-hmm. and then two days later they designate him for assignment. Mm-hmm. And so, if any team wants him, that team can put in a waiver claim and take him, right? Yes. So the Blue Jays. Uh, Essentially, they picked up a guy on waivers, and then they waived him. And so the only point of this is that if no team takes him, they get him, right? right. The, that's the only game they get out of this is if he clears waivers again, then he's theirs. Yes. Um, but if they didn't do that, they would have to keep him on the... Uh, well, is he out of options? Is that... Uh, I don't... As well... Uh, he... Uh, okay, so he he's either out of options or he has to be on the... 40 man right they can't that's the whole point of of them designating him for assignment is that they can't just take him and then put him in single a with no Mm -hmm. repercussions they have to do something in you know basically for his benefit uh and because they weren't willing to do that something for his benefit they have to put him back on waivers and see if anybody wants him Mm -hmm. right so this penalty that that was suggested of something like 
having to put him on the 40-man for 30 days or something like that. It presumes that somebody wants Casper Wells, and if somebody wants Casper Wells, then they'll the Blue Jays won't have him anymore. If the Blue Jays get away with this, and get away with it as though it's like a heist, uh, if the Blue Jays get away with this and get to do what they want with Casper Wells, then it, it's because no other team in baseball wanted Casper Wells, in which case... Uh, it's hard to right. cry for Casper Wells. Right. Um, I think that seems the, like a pretty useful player. I would think someone would have a use for him. I think the internet certainly likes him. Yeah. He, he could play for the internet if nothing else. <laughs> I think in the in the during the first month of the season, the the waiver priority is determined using the previous year's standings, uh, and the Blue Jays were not good last year, so. I guess they have a pretty high waiver priority, so maybe some other teams did claim him and and they got him, and so, so yeah. And right. they'll get him. So if that's the case, then they'll get him, and it only it stalls him for however many days this process. So that's takes. the so, downside. So if, yeah, the st- the stalling thing is is got to be annoying. And you're right, the system is explicitly designed to give players. Um, to, to put players in opportunities uh, where they get to play. Uh, that's what minor league free agent rules are about. That's what options are about. Uh, that's what all of it's about. It's to, to make sure that players get a chance. Mm-hmm. And so if the problem is simply that it's taking weeks for these things to resolve, and so it, it, this came up in the offseason too because there were, uh, I don't remember if you wrote about it or, or Cor- Matt Corey or somebody wrote about uh, a handful of guys who had been yeah, basically that's waived right. and claimed mm-hmm. five times this offseason, four or five times. If it's if it's and that's annoying. Um, if it's just that it's taking too long, it seems like you could speed the process up somehow. And I mean, there's no. It doesn't seem to me that maybe major league teams might feel differently about this because they want to evaluate the things that they get, and they might not necessarily know everything they need to know about a player when they're putting in a waiver claim and trying to decide where to send him but it seems to me that if you're if the primary concern is um is fairness to the player then there's no real reason in this day of gchat that you couldn't resolve these things in a much 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 more quick uh time period Mm -hmm. like maybe a day Mm -hmm. like every team has a chance for a day and you have to make your decision over that guy within like eight hours mm-hmm. instead of instead of multiple days and uh, that the waiver period takes 20 minutes you, you know mm-hmm. like you could seems like you could speed it up quite a bit you wouldn't you wouldn't have to do anything to take away the Blue Jays strategy slash competitive edge but you could speed it up for the player's sake yeah that makes sense we should we should make that our our cause on the podcast it's speeding up the waiver process mm-hmm. we'll start a kickstarter or something so this is probably the best way to get Casper Wells to follow us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we're done. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. And then the day after that is email show. So send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com.